Good morning, people of the internet. You're listening to Debbie Radio 79.5 FM, a podcast where we discuss the movie Gross Point Blank, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Steph Sodiger. And I'm your other co-host, Hugh David. And on today's show, we're going to be looking at minute 37, although we'll be going back a little little bit earlier, by a few seconds, uh, because we want to focus on the scene where Martin Blank has met his friend Paul and agrees to go along with him to see what he does in his day job, which is selling real estate. And joining us all this week is David Brooke of Blueprint Review and DCB Productions. Welcome back, David. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. As, as I mentioned last week, uh, like, yes, last episode, uh, it's a, a favorite of mine. So I'm very happy to be here. Fantastic. So uh, in in our uh, prep for for this minute, we've uh, been doing a little bit of deep background on uh, mm. Terry Rostad's character. Uh, we we finally we get introduced to him here. He's he's not a huge part of the film, but he has some uh, interesting moments, I think, and. Uh, is played by Mr. Steve Pink, who is also a co-producer and writer on the movie. Um, so uh, it's it's quite an interesting little cameo, I think it's fair to say, uh, for mm-hmm. for this film. So he basically uh, turns up as a... I mean, if you don't know American uh, authorities and, and, and law enforcement agencies very well, as, as an overseas viewer, you might think he's a cop. And, and it's it's shot and played that way. But actually, he's just a local renter cop for the, I guess, the owners of the real estate or the neighborhood watch or something like that. But he's exactly that guy who... Um, at school has delusions of grandeur and is now getting to play them out by having a badge and a gun, even though it's, you know, it yeah. has, there's no real authority in who he is and what he does. And we're about to see how that come to the fore uh, in the way that he interacts with um, Paul and Martin. Yeah. yeah, I've noticed. I've, I've been to the states a few times. My mum's mo- my American, so I go over there. Oh, Actually, okay. from Michigan, and, and the family live in Michigan, so I've been to. Michigan <laughs> but, um, but they, um, but yeah, you do get a lot of these kind of like um, I don't know what you kind of housing community sort of thing. Yeah, know? they're usually called yeah. gated communities. Yeah, gated so they'll communities. often be fenced off and have a gate, and, oh, these and days, those will yeah. generally have this yeah. kind of you know private private security i did go there's somewhere near me actually that's got a similar thing that's the first time i've seen it in the uk and it really surprised me. I, I had to go there and meet someone um, and and they had that similar i had to like buzz in and to go into the yep. kind of a neighborhood it was it was weird but um but yeah it is much more common over there yeah yeah there's uh there's actually one so uh david i don't think you realize i actually live in california uh, oh, okay. now, <laughs> uh despite the accent <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so there's one just the other side of town from me and I, I have some friends that live there and being in California it always makes me a little nervous because these communities generally only have one, maybe two ways in and out. So I'm always like, well, you know, we live in fire country now and uh, I'm not entirely sure I'd want that few forms of egress in <laughs> the case of an emergency, but um, you know, they hold a huge appeal to a lot of people and uh, they're pretty widespread. So um, yeah, I think I think the thing we haven't got, we, we, we definitely have rent-a-cops here in the UK, but I think what's really scary is that 
uh, the most famous company in the UK for the last 30 years, uh, G4S, is also one of the most corrupt and have had the most problems and court cases and been sued a lot. And they now supply, they, unbeknownst to a lot, of my, a lot of people I know, they have taken over a number of contracts related to policing matters in various counties. So actually, if you go to certain parts of England now, very small parts of it, it's just, it's just growing slightly, but you will go to a place where there's an actual police force and there's people who will turn up in the same car as the others, the police, but they're not actually the police, they're G4S and their uniforms are ever so slightly different, ever so slightly tweaked. And it just, when I watch this now, I'm thinking, okay, all right, who are the guys I who mean, go for these kinds of jobs, get these jobs yeah. and do, can we yeah. trust them? We we already have in the US full on privatized police forces, right? Like oh, there's God. a there's a reason oh, that the God. Robocop plot goes the way yep. it does, right? The yep. concept of militarizing and privatizing oh, exactly. Militarizing and privatizing mm. police forces is becoming a more real That's you know, future terrific. for us. In the same way that uh, you know, army military uh is is going the same way, right? Mm. Because mm. you're you're basically mm. just contracting out the work because yep it feels cheaper to operate that way. Yeah. It's to, not, but it to feels what long-term end, you know, oh, um, I actually find this character a little awkward uh, and not oh? in the way that's intended because he, oh. he's obviously, you know, not the sharpest knife in the drawer uh, mm-hmm. and, and didn't do particularly well in school as we find out. Right. Like, you know, Martin has helped him through classes and archery and, uh, you know, he's he's in this job because of the, the you know, short training period and the chance to get in uh, to, to the day-to-day quickly. Um, but at the same time, like, a lot of what he, like, a lot of the dialogue has that same kind of snappy uh, ring to it as, as everybody else's dialogue, and it just rings a little false to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I kind of agree. It's well, it, we talked about this before starting recording. Actually, it's not. It's probably not the one of probably the weakest scenes in the film, maybe. But at the same time, mm-hmm. there's still some moments I do kind of like. What I like in this minute, um, I do kind of like the little moment, the little where um, Martin talks shop with Terry, and it's kind of it feels like one of the few times when he can kind of talk to someone at a level about. He doesn't. He doesn't say what he does. Well, although in the film he often tells me what he does, but no one ever believes him, um, or they just don't care. But um, he kind of he has this little moment of connection where he kind of start talk talks about what he does. That's kind of a nice little a nice little touch. But I think overall, and I think where the scene goes, probably in in the next minute or so, um, I wasn't a big fan of, and it, it doesn't. It, it's it's a bit. Yeah, it's it's a bit of an odd moment that doesn't quite settle as nicely in the film as some of the rest of it. But um, so mm. I know where you're coming from. But it, it's yeah. got moments there that I quite like. It definitely was... does. Yeah, and and I can see you know the, the character that they were writing for. You know this it it makes total sense. You, you can see these kind of guys come out of high school and and this is the the career path they follow. Mm. And mm. you know it's 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 you know you you try to get through police academy or something and you drop out or you just mm. you know you you need the job but you can't af- you can't you don't want the training period um or you, and you and you get to wear you the won't. uniform and be part of the club um yeah it's it, it, it he's it's a good character and i think you know as you say it gives martin someone that he clearly had something of a soft spot for when he was in school right like he was willing to help the guy out uh and then 
it gives him somebody that he can kind of relate to on a different level, which is a, yeah. it's a great point. You know, it really is like, these are two professionals in security, let's yeah. call it. Uh, although he does realize, although he ends up realizing that Terry's not quite as committed. No, as he no is. exactly. But at the beginning, you kind of, he wants to try and, yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of something else that was in the 90s. This is an, this is an interesting inversion. There is a point in, um, oh God, I can't even remember which season of NYPD Blue, where uh, Dennis Franz's character, Sipowitz, who's the, the aging Polish cop, uh, who is the the heart of the show, even though he's a complete at the beginning of the show, series at least he's a a racist, corrupt drunk, all sorts, you know everything you think you 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 don't want your cops to be. But there's a scene many many years later where he's he's train he's uh, talking to his son by his ex, and his son's now old enough to think about joining the force, and they're standing on a corner in New York in the snow, looking around, and they've just gone and actually help deal with an issue that was happening outside the diner where they were meeting. And he basically says to his son, he says, this is a good job for people like us. We're immigrants, you know, our English isn't that great, but we can use a pencil and pen and we can add a few numbers together, you know, and everything else we can learn. You know, this is a good job for us. And I remember thinking that's the most positive spin I have ever heard anyone put on that particular aspect of those services. Whereas this, this is the flip side of it. You know, this is the the, the the more cynical take on the same thing. You know, actually, this guy barely made it through high school without help. But he, that's exact, And yet he's now the one walking around uh, doing what he does. Although I love his description of her. We're not peace. I'm not a peace officer. Uh, we just execute homeowner policy. <laughs> yeah. That is such a great line. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we don't. Laws? Nah. Policy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and they do that with the, with the house in the background, and you know, Paul busy trying to sell off property. And I, I guess the impl- Im, the 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 implication is this is gentrification ruining the neighborhood. I think, yeah, there's a lot of this kind of uh, subtext to the film, right? About mm. uh, the American dream, about capitalism, mm-hmm. about you know, the emerging growing wealth divide, which at this point yep. was significantly less pronounced than it is now, but, no. you know, was the start of that trajectory, right? You've yep. got a bunch of guys who all graduated from the same high school in the same year. Uh, you could argue had the same opportunities open to them, but you see very clearly that the outcomes were hugely different and at times probably not really based on aptitude even, right? You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, simply you know martin is is the the um, the american dream success story he's the one that came from the dysfunctional family but actually made it but with debbie especially it's you know it's not that she's not made it it's just she hasn't even had to try and you know you see the kind of the gamma as especially a bit later on when we get to the the reunion right like mm-hmm. the folks that you know went and you know made made it as it were even though as we've mentioned in in previous episodes martin's the only one to have really left town and and to have gone out there um seemingly Uh, so it's uh yeah i think is that that narrative is is kind of an interesting thread that runs through the story and it plays on the the martin versus dan Aykroyd relationship as well uh, grocer mm-hmm. relationship yeah. right grocer has that very blue collar vibe he's a jobbing sociopath that 
mm. you know, he's found something that he's good at and he does it, but he's not, you know, it's not to an end. It's, it's just what he does. And, and Martin clearly always is, is about like getting to that, that next mm. step, chasing the American dream as it were. Yeah. And then the other part that's ironic is of course, in any other, uh, like, it, like this is supposed to be Detroit, uh, it's supposed to be in Grass Point, Michigan, you know, it's LA, but the irony of a white render cop stopping a white guy in a black suit and saying, you look like, I, I thought there might be trouble when I saw you. <laughs> right. And this is like, what, eight, six, seven years, not even six, seven years after uh, the LA riots. It's like, a Okay. All right. So a guy in a suit is, is what you you know, that's what you've been told to look out for. This is very interesting. Um and yeah, but the but, fact that this all happens with them stationary in the front while you get that attempted sale in the background is just such a beautiful foreground, background kind of way of staging that so that what yeah. you've just described is happening visually. Yeah. There's a nice little thing as well, just to, I think it's just at the start of this minute, uh, where you hear um Jerry Pibbins kind of <laughs> Uh, BS that he gives trying to sell the house, talking about um, the Frank Lloyd Wright connection. That they, yes. well, they suggest it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's like. <laughs> so, I do like that yeah. kind of uh, dodgy spiel. I, I also love the fact that I think for, for one of the things that I always find weird about American homes is 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 the fo- for, for at least homes like this is the faux Tudor thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at <laughs> that half going timber. If, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. but then it's side by side with the kind of red brick that just does not fit the era, and I'm like. Mm. You know, here in England, when we have that, it's because somebody literally built something in <laughs> yeah. the Industrial Revolution era onto the Elizabethan era. Here, it's just like, yeah, mishmash, and they're like, this is such a great house. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> Design-wise, this is a mess, but we'll come back to you, know, you be proud of that, guys. You've only had a couple of hundred years, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, there's the whole McMansion style to embrace. <laughs> is that what you call it? McMansions? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> McMansion is a term. This I don't think it's a particularly egregious example of a McMansion, but it's where the Fair enough. you know very very <sighs> expensive, you know, often fairly modernist looking yeah. giant ugly houses get sprung up, especially if they're like gentrifying an existing neighborhood. Rather, I mean, I th- I feel like this was a purpose built neighborhood yeah. that all these houses are fairly modern contemporary. Mm. But yeah, um, yeah, 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 it, yeah, it's it's a thing. Absolutely. Okay. Anything else from this minute, guys? Or should we call it a halt there? I think we let's call it there. I think we're cool. Let's do it. Good. It's, okay. uh, I think the next minute is going to be horrific for us. But <laughs> okay. Well, we'll do our best. Or for me. <clears throat> All right. This was minute thirty-seven of the Gross Point Blank podcast, Debbie Radio, seventy-nine point five FM, featuring your co-hosts, co-writers, and co-producers, Dev Sullivan and Hugh David. Today's guest was David Brooke. David, where can we find you? Well, you can find my reviews and such at blueprintreview.co.uk. Um, yeah, and you can through the website, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Twitter slash X and all that kind of jazz. <laughs> awesome. And you can also find us on uh, Twitter slash X as well as YouTube and Spotify as at Debbie Radio. Uh, you can find us on all good podcast players as Debbie Radio 79.5 FM bank, uh, Gross Point Blank Minute. Um, if you don't want to type all of that in, type some subset of the words in and you'll probably find us. And uh, you can visit us on our website, which is debbieradio.com. Uh, all of those, the Debbie is spelt D-E-B-I. 
Finally, if you do want to come and find us on Facebook, there is a listeners group available at Debbie Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. That's Debbie D-E-B-I Radio 79.5 FM Fan Club. Sure was clear that all of this was new. Concentrating hard like a little girl smoking for the first time. It wasn't a moment It was a feeling 